Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Elisa Unfiltered. Uh, It really warms my heart that you guys are listening and supporting this podcast. It also warms my heart to introduce you today to a very special guest. She is a high-performance athlete, a role model, and one hell of a female warrior. Her name is Heidi Van Bessler, and I had the pleasure of coaching this young woman in the sport of freestyle skiing on the Alberta Provincial Freestyle Team. It was during her time together that Heidi had a life-changing ski crash during a pre-competition training camp, and as a result, she suffered from a traumatic brain injury, otherwise known as a severe concussion. Her journey to recovery is so powerful and inspirational that anyone listening today can learn from it. Throughout this journey, I have learned so much from this passionate 19-year-old, and I also love having connections where the student becomes the teacher. This is absolutely the case with Heidi. She has taught me so much, and she is here today to tell her story. All right. Hi, Heidi. How are you today? Hey, I'm great. I'm super excited to be here. I am very excited for you to be here, too, to tell your incredible story. Awesome. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I'm uh, I'm 19 years old. I was a competitive freestyle mogul skier on the Alberta Provincial Mogul team, and that's where I trained um, with Elisa as my coach. Yes. Um, so I started skiing at a really young age. Um, I think I was two when I first jumped on the skis. Really? Um, you were two years old? I think so. Oh yeah, my gosh, that's my amazing. My parents put me on skis when I was two years old. Very cool. Um, and we did all sorts of skiing, like um, downhill skiing, cross-country skiing, backcountry skiing into like backcountry huts. So we had some powder skiing and things in there from a young age. So I kind of fell in love with skiing right from right from the very beginning and um and that's what kind of brought me um to mogul skiing so so um, for those of you that aren't aware of mogul skiing it is the bumps and the jumps um it is uh very um demanding on the body it's acrobatic and to be really good to be even at the provincial level where Heidi was skiing at you it takes years of training it takes a full year-round commitment to the program it is uh it it is is it it's it's quite the sport if anyone was watching the olympics i mean canada we won gold with mikhail kingsbury and the moguls um it is a very exciting very cool sport (laughs) for sure like i think the first time i remember watching it was probably in 2006 um, at the Torino Olympics, yep, um, yep. with Jennifer Heil and she won gold there and she was, she was my hero, um, growing up. That's, that's what I wanted to do. And there was kind of, 
there was never a question in my mind that was that was the sport I was going to do and um that was I was going to go to the Olympics and that that was that was the dream um in the beginning um so it kind of started out with that and um but I did all sorts of different sports um when I was a kid yeah um, like ringette and soccer and pretty much everything you can think of um and then in 2010 after the Vancouver Olympics um I watched the moguls there again and watched um Jen bring home a silver and Alex Bilodeau win Canada's first gold medal on home soil and I think that was kind of the big turning point that was when I was like okay I'm actually gonna um start pursuing this now so it was it was the winter or I guess it was yeah, it's the winter following 2010, so I guess 2011, um, that I started um, actually training. And and did you, you were at the games in 2010 live? Like, did you watch it live or was it at home? I did not. I watched it from a hotel room in Medicine Hat. We were at a, a ski <laughs> tournament. And I, okay. I have this clear picture of myself sitting, watching the Olympics on the, on the hotel bed or whatever, and seeing Jen win silver and bursting out into tears because I thought she should have won gold as all young kids think their heroes should have. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it's pretty etched into my memory, those games. Oh, I love what sure. sport does for inspiration. And I love um, that Jen was one of your, was one of your mentors. I mean, she, you actually ski a little bit like her, to be honest. I always, when you came into the scene and I started working with you, I was just like, man, this girl's like a pepper. She's exactly like Jen. She's got it all. Like really you are, you, you, you were so good. You were so good at skiing. You had all the things that make an Olympian. Right. <laughs> yes. Epic. So then, so then, so then what happened? Um, so then I skied for, so I started out skiing, um, with my uncle as my coach. Um, mm-hmm. and he coached me for my first two seasons, um, which was pretty exciting. We had a couple, couple of my first competitions and things like that. And mm-hmm. then I skied with Castle Mountain Freestyle Ski Team for another season. That was kind of my big season um, before I made the Alberta provincial team. So I was doing, I worked really hard that summer on water ramps, um, which is where we practice our jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I qualified front flips that year. So I remember being really excited to do front flips. And I don't know if you remember, but, um, I guess my big event that year before I made, um, provincial team was, um, going to junior nationals for the first time. Yeah. And I decided I was going to do front flips in the competition, which Junior Nash is not the place to try new tricks, but <laughs> it's a pretty high I level event. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I crashed really hard on my first, second run on my second run. And I got taken down with a sled, um, uh-huh. in the sled. Um, and I ended up with bronze after that event. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but, um, so yeah. So then that spring after, that event, I made the Alberta Provincial Mogul team. And that was when we started working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I skied on the Alberta team for, well, we figured out a year, a year and a half of skiing. Yes. So um, your, your first year on the team was, was quite successful. I mean, you were doing all the right things. You were, um, 
really starting to make your mark at that provincial, uh, semi-national level. I like to call it the train to compete you, um, phase of your long-term athlete development. You are developing um, right on 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 task, if you will, or on target on your targets. You're meeting all your goals. Maybe didn't have all the best results that you wanted. However, your technical skiing was really on point. You were doing all the things, doing all the things. For sure. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a good season. It was a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, I started competing backflips on snow, which was a big thing for me. I remember lots of crashes and competitions with those, um, but it was all massive learning experiences. Yes. Um, And so after that first season, we kind of, we, um, started into our off season. So for anyone who's, um, maybe not, not super, like unfamiliar, unfamiliar, like year round. Mm -hmm. Um, so we finished skiing, competing in April, and then we started up right again in May and we trained May all the way through till December, pretty much. Um, so I had a really, really epic, uh, training season. Um, that season, um, I was getting really confident with my skiing and made a lot of improvements. And then that's kind of when the critical time, I guess, that you uh, mentioned in your intro. Yes. <laughs> happened. So let's, let's talk about that. So, you know, in life, we're always thrown things at us and this particular day, I, I can remember this day. This was like, you know, this affected you, obviously, and this has affected your life, but just watching you grow and develop into this high performance athlete with huge goals. I mean, this day was, was, was quite traumatic for, for me, for everyone, for your family, for your friends. Um, it was, it was quite interesting. So, um, do you want to talk about what happened? For sure. Okay. So, um, it was December 3rd, 2014, mm-hmm. um, and we were at a, our last training camp of the season um, in Apex, BC, um, and we'd been hiking jumps all all day, so when we hiked jumps, we'd just hit the jump, and then we'd take off our skis once we'd landed and hike back up, so we usually did, like, I think it was 20 jumps during the day, Yeah, we would, Some, yeah. somewhere around there. Something like that. It was definitely, this is training. This is a training scenario. Yeah. We weren't in competition at this point. It was just um, practice. So we were practicing over and over again, different maneuvers, different speeds, um, just, you know, to, to ingrain some muscle memory with different tricks. For sure. Yeah. So this day we'd been, we'd actually been working on front flips. Yeah. Um, I recall quite yeah. clearly because it was pretty much the first time I'd done front flips since my big crash at junior nationals. Yeah. So it'd been, it'd been a while coming, but they were going really well that day. Yeah. Um, I remember being super stoked about how they were going. Um, and then we started getting near the end of the day. I think we had five jumps left. Yeah. Um, and we decided that we were going to end the day with five backflips, yeah. um, which is no big deal. I've done hundreds of backflips before I've done them on water ramps. Um, and I remember um, hiking up, and I'd ridden the jump, so that's kind of when we didn't go into the jump with speed, but we just felt the jump with our skis, and I'd done my visualization of doing backflip, um, but backflips are a bit different than front flips. Well, they're the opposite yes. um, direction that you're spinning in, 
Um, and I remember standing at the top there and thinking to myself, just before I went, I remember thinking, hey, I didn't do a straight jump, which is just like going off the jump and not doing a trick. You didn't test In the between. jump again. Yeah. I didn't test it. Um, and I remember thinking that and then being like, no, you know what? I've got this. I'll be fine. I've done them before. Um, and I so I into I, I'm going to cut you off there because I almost feel like we had that discussion. And I remember saying like, you're at a level where you're able to switch directions confidently. Like that was also yeah. like a coaching strategy as well. Like you need to be able to take less, I don't want to call them baby steps, but, but kind yeah. of, kind of in that, I don't know, in that family. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. I think you're right. I think we did have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, so I went down and I went off the jump um, and I started flipping, started the backflip. Um, and I was flipping way too fast. Um, we, we call it like slinging it um, yeah. in freestyle, but that's kind of just when you, you go. Um, when you, when you flip fast. Yeah. yeah, there's too much hard to describe. Um, anyways, and so when I came around, I, I knew I was flipping too fast and my feet landed on the snow first. So I, there was a moment where I thought I was going to be okay. And then my back, uh, my rotation kept going, my back hit the snow, my head whipped back and the back of my head hit the snow and it hit with such force. I bounced right back up. Like I was on my skis and I skied to the side. Yeah. Um, right away and it was kind of in that those moments I guess after after that happened uh, I was standing there and I was like uh I think something's wrong like something is not right yeah um and I remember hiking up up to where you were standing to coach us and being like I think something's wrong um and concussions and brain injuries are they are a thing in any sport um, that you're in and you were really good, um, about that. And so you were like, well, could be a concussion. We don't really know, but you're done skiing for the day. And so that was, that was the event that started the the journey that was to come. Yes. So I remember when you came up, like the look in your eyes, it was not, I mean, I don't like to tell athletes that when I first look at them after they've crashed, whether they look good or not good, but (laughs) I just remember the look on your face was just like, um, no, like this is, this is not good. And to me on the outside, like I've seen so many people, we call it slapping back where you slap, like you over rotate a backflip and you slap your back on the landing hill and nine and a half times out of 10 athletes just ski away and it's totally fine. Um, this particular one, like I, I didn't really think it was a bad crash. It didn't look like anything abnormal. I've seen it so many times. You've seen it so many times. This particular- I've seen it. I've watched it so many times. I've watched my crash and I look at it still and I think like it doesn't look bad. It does not look like a serious crash. Yeah. And you've probably slapped back like worse in your life in or For punched sure. front forward yeah. or crashed or hit harder. It was just the way you hit the way you hit. And uh, obviously you were wearing a helmet. Um, yes. Thank goodness. Yes. Thank goodness. Indeed. Um, so, so you stopped skiing for the day and we, um, 
we went back down to the hotel. We went back down to where we were staying in the in the town we were staying. And then what happened? And then that night, so we always did dry land training. Um, and so that night, I thought I was okay because I'd had, like, I'd had, the main symptom I was having was headaches. And I'd had headaches before. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually chiropractic fixed that. Um, so I was like, you know what? That's probably what it is. My neck's probably out of place. Um, I'm probably okay. So I played hockey that night. We played road hockey for our dry land training. And I yeah. remember feeling really, really off while I was playing, but I was just, you know, you're kind of in that stage of denial. Maybe I was yeah. just like, no, you know what? It's just my neck's out. I'm good. Yeah. Um, and then the next day I woke up and I wasn't so good. Yeah. Um, I went to Cairo, I think, um, and that didn't help at all. So then I think that's when we kind of started thinking that something else might be up. Yeah. Um, like this was and, way more serious than we initially thought it was. And I mean, yes. you and I were like in good communication this whole time. Like we were really discussing what's the best move here. We talked even after that night, like before dryland, I remember saying like, should we go to the hospital? Like, should we go to the doctor? Should we get you tested? And, and I think just based on, it was a learning experience for both of us, for sure. For sure. And yeah. and just like based on, you know, your past experience and the symptoms you were feeling at the time. Um, yeah, we made decisions based off that. Yeah, for sure. So, so the next morning um, when you woke up, you said you weren't good. What does that mean? I I had like a, we always, we always rated. I remember you always rating. I still use this. Um <laughs> But like rating, rating your pain on a scale of one to 10, 10 uh-huh. being the worst pain in your entire life. Um, and I woke up the next morning and I think I had, I think I rated it like a seven yeah. um, sort of headache, which is like, I don't know, that's a pretty intense headache. Everyone's yeah. got different pain thresholds, but um, I had a pretty bad headache. Um, so we decided I wasn't going to ski. Um, I can't remember if we went to the doctor that day or a couple days later. I f- um, yeah. Uh... But I feel like it was two days later we went. I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, so when I did go to the doctor, um, they said, yeah, you probably have a concussion. Um, concussions are very tricky because there's no there's no tests for them, really. Like I had a baseline, but all my baseline stuff was back in Calgary. Um, so let's so just talk about really that. Like what is that. what is a baseline test for concussions? Like, tell so me what you a did. baseline test, your classic baseline test, there's kind of an, a number of different ones that they'll do. But the one that I had done was, a, I believe at the time it was called a SCAT 4. I think now they have SCAT 5s. Okay. Um, but it's pretty much, it's um, getting you to, it's testing your memory, it's testing your balance, um, mm-hmm. it's testing, um, can be testing like reaction times. Sure. Um, there's some that I've heard of that are... Um, like very, there's some on the computer, there's like, they're, they're kind of anything, but they're, you do a baseline to kind of before the season starts so that you know where you stand because, um, obviously like with some of the memory stuff, like they get you to repeat numbers backwards to them. And like some people just aren't good at that generally. So, (laughs) so you do the baseline so that if you do get a concussion and you do poorly on it, but you've done poorly on your baseline that they can, they can gauge, I guess. Right. So it's, it's basically a test to just give 
like you say, the baseline, and then you're comparing. So if you do hit your head, if you do think you have a concussion, you can retake the test and see how you score uh, by comparison to your baseline. Yes. Yes. So when you say your baseline test was done in Calgary, where you live, we weren't there. So we couldn't use the same exact system at the time to really judge what was happening. For okay. sure. But um, the doctors I did talk to, I talked to a number of different doctors in mm-hmm. the coming weeks, um, and they said that it was likely a concussion. So the thing is, most concussions um, kind of resolve themselves within, um, I believe it's a week to 10 days, is kind of the typical recovery time for a concussion, for symptoms to disappear. And during that time, you're supposed to pretty much not do anything, um, which is like, it's, it sounds like it might be easy, but it's pretty much the hardest thing um, to do because you use your brain for everything that you're doing. So you can't read and you can't like go on your phone. You can't um, be super physically active. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of sitting. It's a lot of time to think, which you don't necessarily need during <laughs> that time. Yeah. Um, it's a, I remember spending a lot of time in the, hotel room where we were staying on my own laying in the dark yeah um and just like trying to figure out what I might be able to do to entertain myself but you really you really really have to give your brain um a break right um especially in those first kind of week um sort of thing that like seven day period so essentially a concussion and maybe you can fill in the blanks here but it is uh when you have swelling in your brain. You hit your head hard enough that there is some swelling. There's inflammation um, that needs to that needs time essentially to to repair to to heal. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's pretty much like a uh, you can almost think of it like a bruise on your brain. Like you you mm-hmm. hit your head and your head's in sloshy fluid, um, and it it just reverberates um, wherever. So essentially um, you hit your head in the back, but you were having hit, pain in the front. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So I hit my head in the back and um, what they think happened is that my brain then jiggled forward and hit in the front. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I've had most of my symptoms um, following. Yes. Following the crash. So we were at that camp for about two weeks or something like that in, and it led into a, a, into a competition. Um, and, and how, I guess for, for a week following that you were 100% sitting in a dark room by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Um, we definitely called your parents. We go into the doctor, they did their own testing. Um, yes, you had a concussion and, the symptoms just weren't going away. In fact, if my memory served me correct, they were almost getting worse. Yeah, to a certain extent, for sure. I That's when I started noticing, um, like, light sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, the headaches has kind of always been the main thing, but the light sensitivity and also, um, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, the emotional. Oh, yeah. Your emotions get way out of whack <laughs> with a brain injury. It's... Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's a, uh, it's a weird thing to feel. Um, but you kind of have very little control over your emotions. Yeah. One of them specifically was like, um, 
anger, uh, yeah. low, little patience. It was frustration, those types of things, which are natural when you're a high performance athlete and you're not, you're not training and you're like, oh my gosh, I might miss the first competition. And for the record, that first event that was following this camp was probably the biggest event of all like provincial athletes season. Like we start off with a bang. It's a big one. And we had to make a call that you weren't going to compete at that event. Yes. Which, you know, was an easy call based on your symptoms, but a very challenging one too, because it was like, oh my gosh, I just worked all this off season and now I'm not competing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was the right call to make. But it was a very, very hard decision. Yes. Um, and then, I mean, after that decision was made, then it was kind of like, okay, we're kind of at the two, two and a half week mark. What next? Um, because I wasn't, I wasn't getting better. No. Um, so, yeah. so, so then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so after that, I, well, I spent Christmas in Kelowna, I believe. Anyways, and then I got home. And we finally, it took us, I believe it took us a month to get in to see the doctor who I'd done my baseline with, Yeah. Um, which was a bit of a crazy time. I was out of school at this point. I couldn't go to school. Why? Um, I, because I was still having so many symptoms and they talk about like resting your brain. Um, and so I couldn't like read a book or do stuff on the computer. Yeah, there was like an inability um, to focus. So I was off of school. For, mm-hmm. Well, it had been, I think it had been a month and a half by the time I saw this um, doctor because it happened at the beginning of December. So I was off school and I was pretty much um, going stir crazy at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to describe it. Um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't do too much. So I finally got in to see this doctor. He was like, yep, you have a concussion. Kind of gave you, gave me like, like this is kind of, what you need to do is a lot of what I'd heard before, like rest till your symptoms disappear, and then you can slowly start working your way back up um, to activity and, and things. And so, um, so that was that was the beginning of trying to figure out what was going to help me um, to heal. And a couple appointments in with this doctor, um, he pretty much he would ask me every time I went in. What uh, what percentage are you like like 100 percent? Obviously, being you're totally better. What percentage are you? Um, and the I guess it was the second last time probably that I saw him. He told me to come back when I was 100 um, percent. He didn't really give me any tools. He just said come <laughs> back when you're 100 percent. So um, it was that point where we were like, okay, we got to start branching out. We got to start seeing what else is out there because. When I got my concussion, I'd also got um, whiplash, um, which has similar symptoms to a concussion. So we started exploring physio. Um, that was the main one at the time. Um, physio and massage to try and um, yep. combat um, symptoms that could be coming from that. Because you also um, did get whiplash and you had neck stiffness, those types yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah, throughout the whole time. So it was... It was really, that was the beginning of the, the journey, I guess, trying to figure out what was going to get me back to, I always called it getting me back to normal, but it's kind of weird because like, what is your, what is normal? Like normal is so different for everyone. 
Yeah. Um, so as my recovery progressed, that trying to get back to normal changed to like trying to just get back to being healthy because I started to realize that I was going to have a new normal, like life wasn't going to be the same, um, as it had been before. So I, I started getting back to school at about, I think it was the two month mark. The two and, month mark. Um, so it took you two was, months to a, go back to school. Yeah. That was a big point where I started realizing um, that that normal wasn't going to be the same because prior to concussion, I'd worked like massively long days at school because I like to pile in as much work as I could when I was um, at school so I could go and ski um, and not have to worry about my schoolwork in between. So I, um, but when I went back, I was working, I literally started working for like five minutes at a time and I would set a watch and I had to take a break after five minutes because I, I would get a headache. Um, so that was, let me, let me just ask you a question. So let's go back. So when you were with this doctor and he said the percentage that second to last time when you saw him, what Hmm. percentage were you at? Do you remember? Like, what would you say? I think I was rating myself way too high I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure I told him somewhere in the 80s okay um which looking back now (laughs) clearly wasn't in the 80s but you know you're a high performance athlete it was the middle of the competition season by this point I had a spot on the team for Canada Winter Games yeah like I wanted to be out there I'd had a brilliant training season um and so there was a part of me that that was really, I think, willing me to be better. It's just right. like, you need to be better. Um, but but my brain was telling me otherwise. So what did your instincts say? Like, when when you were going through all this stuff, I just remember, like, because you were updating me probably, like, every week or twice a week we were touching base at yeah. this point. Um, and I, I just remember it. I just remember thinking, like, like, shit, this is really bad. This is bad. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, she's not getting better. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like every time I talked yeah. to you, there was like very, there was there was virtually no improvement for no, weeks, it was weeks very, at a time. Very minimal improvement, which was insanely frustrating. Um, being well, being anyone really, but also being an athlete, um, not mm-hmm. seeing that improvement that um, that I was able to see in other parts of my life prior to that um and so it was it was yeah it was definitely frustrating and it was four months into my recovery that I discovered yoga um and I think that was a massive um turning point for me in my recovery because um I showed up at this yoga studio that I'd found online um, and I, I'd signed up for a yoga therapy class. Um, okay. It was, and the teacher who was working with me was like, the teachers um, at this place were absolutely incredible, but she was working with me, and I think we were trying to do child's pose, if I can remember it correctly. And there was so much, well, when we've talked about it since, she says, like, so much fear in my body. Um, I couldn't get, like, my head to touch the floor, like my forehead to touch the floor doing child's pose. Um, there was just no way, like everything, I was so full of fear um, and scared because it's like you have a concussion and then suddenly it's like it's like a stop sign and you're like at a halt 
and suddenly you start with all the crazy emotions and things that are going on you start um you start wondering if you can still do things i mean there's so much that you can't do Mm -hmm. um and so so i didn't know it at the time but she saw this in me um and i i'm really happy i went back after that that first class because yoga turned out to be kind of my it was a big part of my recovery so you were you were 16 were you 16 I was. I yeah. was 16. You were 16 yeah. years old and four months in, yeah. you're still not recovered. No. I think so, I was, I was at that point, I think I was maybe doing half days at school. Okay. Um, and it was a very yeah. frustrating half day. I remember because uh, that was another thing because we're so goal oriented as athletes and you wanted to graduate with all your friends. And then at some point you had to make the decision to extend um, into another semester, right? Or take another year of school. I Actually, that was one of my big, my big things. I didn't end up taking an extra semester of school. Right. That was, that was one of the big wins for me because like you say, I really didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty determined that I was going to graduate with my graduating class. Yeah. Um, so I... I dropped um, one of my courses, I think, that I was taking, but continued taking everything that would help me graduate um, and just worked away at it really slow, like in small chunks, like 20-minute chunks at a time. Yeah. Um, And I was working on, like, easier things. Like, I remember at the beginning, like, math and chemistry were just, like, crazy. Um, I just couldn't focus on numbers and and things like that. Um, But, yeah, so I was... I was four months in at this point and not really getting much better. I was doing, I was working with a physio at this point. I remember, I remember I would take a break from doing schoolwork and I'd go down to the gym at school and do my physio exercises Mm -hmm. because I was supposed to be doing them like five times a day or something like that. Yeah. Um, So you were working hard at getting better. You were (laughs) fully committed to this recovery. Yeah. It was like I took all the energy that had gone into skiing and I put that towards my recovery because I wanted I wanted it so bad yeah. um, to be back. And it was it was it. very impressive because, you know, 16 year olds, 17 year olds, they're on their phones 1000 percent of the time. They're like constantly engaging in social media. They're constantly, you know, being stimulated, whereas yeah. you had to take a step back for a very long period of time of being not stimulated by essentially and everything. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, and still is today a massive lesson in slowing down. And because I didn't know how to slow down. I honestly did not know how to slow down. Like I was either doing school or I was skiing and in between the two, like eat, sleep, um, you know, do that sort of stuff. But it was, I, I didn't have an off switch, really. I didn't know what it was like to slow down. Yeah, you were um, definitely a pepper out there. And, and, and a straight-A student. Like, you were an excellent student, an excellent yeah. athlete. I mean, the the two correlate uh, correlated perfectly. Like, you, you were just phenomenal. And then you transferred all of this into your recovery. So let's talk about... So things weren't getting better. And I remember having this conversation with you, like we, you and your parents had discussed, um, new options. Um, one of them was 
vision, the vision um, therapy. So talk about that. So that was a big one we explored. Um, Honestly, my least favorite thing that we explored Okay. One of them. <laughs> um, I I hated doing vision therapy. Yeah. Um, but we found out that through the different doctors and physios and chiros and all the different people I'd seen, um, which was a billion. Just to give you an idea of in that first year how many people I saw, I went back. My mom is an incredible person, and she came to all my appointments with me, and yeah. she written out calendars with all my appointments. So I went back the other day and I counted them all up. I had 87 appointments in that first year. Wow. Between doctors and physios and everything. But anyway, so we discovered this vision therapy. Um, and because we discovered that one of my eyes, when you when doctors get you to like um, follow their finger with your eyes, one of my eyes wasn't tracking properly. So it kind of had this like, not twitch, but like, like a leg? Yeah, like leg time. It wouldn't wouldn't track properly. So we decided that maybe that was part of the issue of the headaches and the light sensitivity. Um, so I started doing vision therapy. So pretty much what it was is I went in and I did an initial consult with the doctor. And she did all these different tests and things. Um, and then after that, she created a program for me. And so I'd go in every week or two weeks and work with a vision therapist for think it was about half an hour and they would give me new exercises every week to work on yeah so like like things like I remember having um like letters on the walls and having to move your eyes between them um there was a lot of stuff with balance as well like I remember standing on balance boards doing yeah. exercises like that um, with the beads had, on the the beads on the beads. string <laughs> yeah. I was just gonna say the beads we had like beads and, and I had to like switch my focus between these different beads Um, and so it was all different things like that to try and, um, try and, I guess, retrain the brain and retrain my eyes, um, with that. So I I think I did that for about, I want to say I did that for four months, somewhere in there. Um, and we did see some improvements, um. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because you were like diagnosed with like divergence or something. Was that not, or what was it called? Do you remember? I don't completely remember. I feel like it was divergence, and then I was wondering if, yeah, what, from A to B after all that time, and and, and in those four months, you're doing all this vision therapy, you're still getting headaches, you're still having, like, emotions, you're still um, not normal, if you will. Yeah. Um, Where did that, where did that take you to the end, like, after this vision? What made you stop doing it? Um, I think we kind of... We met with the, the doctor again, um, who was, or the ophthalmologist, I think, yeah. that we were working with, and we'd kind of seen a plateau over the last few times that I'd seen her. Um, so then she said, like, it was up to us, but if I wasn't seeing huge improvements, um, then we could um, we could stop. So I, I stopped with that, um, and then I guess the next big step on my recovery, well, I started taking medication for it. Uh, oh, yes. I believe it was about a year in. Um, it was about was a year in, yes. With the headaches and also with sleep. I forgot, I didn't add that one in, but my <laughs> sleep got, I had been like the best sleeper ever before I got a concussion. And then after my concussion, like like getting to sleep was like, like I would lay there for, 
for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever trying to get to sleep. Like my sleep was super messed up. Um, so this medication was supposed to help with sleep and headaches, um, which I think it did. Um, but again, we weren't seeing the big improvements we were looking for. And like it's, it is, it is baby steps the entire way. The entire journey has been baby steps. Um, but we still weren't seeing kind of the progress we wanted to. So I started working with this. I started working with a new doctor at this point, um, and she suggested that we try Botox. Oh yes. Um, and this this was kind of the next next thing. So I'm at this point I'm 17 years old and I'm getting Botox injections. Yes, where did they put that? Into your they were in your forehead, right? In my it, it was 32 needles and it was in my forehead like above my eyes, in my temples and then the back of my head. Right. Um and so because Botox apparently was originally um it was originally uh, brought about, I guess, to actually help with headaches, um, to prevent headaches, um, especially like tension headaches and things like that, because it relaxes all of the muscles sure. um, in your head. And it also works to kind of block the um, the pathways that have been formed, because after a while, if you're constantly having um, things like headaches, it starts to become almost chronic. Like you start, they call it like the pain pathway. And right. so you kind of just get into those loops. So like, um, like my brain may have been healed, but I was kind of in this, in this loop of just, my brain was so used to having headaches every day that I just kept having headaches every day. Right. Um, so the Botox is supposed to help, um, kind of stop the loop or reset the loop. Yes. As was this medication that you were taking, right? Yes. Like it was supposed to. Yeah. Okay. So how long were you on the meds for? I say, uh, I, I say that, like, so, the, like, crazy on the meds. I don't mean to say it that way, but, like, <laughs> um, how long were you taking medication? Uh, I was taking medication for a year and a half, I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe. I only stopped maybe, uh, I think it was just about a year ago okay. that I stopped because I, after I graduated high school, I went traveling for four months and I, I had to, I wanted to get off the meds before I went um, traveling. So I didn't have to worry about that. Right. Um, so I think it was before I went traveling. So talk to me about the point in your um, recovery, if that's the best way to call it, uh, that you decided that you were no longer going to ski and compete competitively Ooh. in freestyle. All right. This is a, this is a tricky one. Well, okay, so um, I think the first full year of recovery, I was pretty convinced that I was going to get back on the slopes. Yeah. Um, and I was working, like we've discussed, super hard to get back to where I was, but I wasn't seeing those big improvements um, that I needed to be seeing. Yeah. Um, and there was so many different discussions um, over kind of the – the months leading up to me making the decision not to ski. Um, I made the decision in June of 2016. So right before I graduated from high school. Um, and, but there was, it was six months in the making. Maybe it was, there was a lot of discussions. I remember having numerous discussions with you about it. Um, what I was going to do because I still had this Olympic dream. I wanted to, make the national team. I wanted to ski for Canada. 
Um, but at the same time, I was having this, well, my brain's not getting any better. Yeah. And it's concussions are so different than your typical injury because like a classic injury in mobile skiing is blowing your knee. Yeah. Um, and you can get a knee replacement and you can keep skiing after that. But, but I always say like, you can't replace your brain. You've only got one brain. Um, and so I think that was, that was a piece of it where I was just like, you know what? I'm not a hundred percent yet. I don't know that. I don't know when I'm going to be a hundred percent again. Yeah. Um, and just that, that, I guess knowledge that another hit to the head wasn't going to make it better. Like it was usually second, um, second impacts, um, can be worse, quite a bit worse. Yeah. So it's called Um, second impact syndrome and it, and it usually is the one that's, that's very, very bad. Now it's possible that you had second impact syndrome when you did crash. It's possible that you've had a concussion before that wasn't fully healed or whatever. It is possible. And that's the one thing that you say, like you bring up a very valid point when it comes to concussions. You can't see the injury. It's not like you broke your arm and if there's an x-ray and you can see the break or you cut yourself, you can see the blood. You can't see and really assess the actual damage of a concussion. And I mean, people, concussions are, are, are very, very, um, they're being talked about more and more in the sporting community and in the general population. I mean, there's, there's having a concussion, like a mild concussion. Um, and then there's, you know, traumatic brain injuries where you, you told me before, like that you refer to it as a mild traumatic brain injury. Um, and, I mean, a year later, there's still symptoms. So talk about very quickly, a year later, where were you? If you were to rate yourself 100% or out of 100%, where were you? Um, probably 70%, maybe even a bit lower. Definitely a lot lower than I told that doctor. Um, <laughs> I was... Yeah, I was, I was not, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't super close to a hundred percent. I'd made some improvements, but it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't there. I, oh um, my gosh. I sure. do remember having conversations with you about like, about, about stopping. And I don't like to use the word quitting because it's not like you were quitting the sport. It was that you were just, you know, saying goodbye and just moving on or however you want to say uh, and I was yeah. I, I was in a parking lot at in Jasper at Alberta Championships just like pacing and we were talking on the phone and I was like pacing back and forth in this parking lot just like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> like okay like yeah. okay let's do this like this is what's best for you and you're you're taking responsibility for yourself and it's so incredibly challenging especially for someone so young with so much talent and so much like potential. I think I probably threw those words to you more than a million times over that year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry if I made things worse. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. Um, I remember making the decision. I remember walking up the stairs that morning and being like, "All right, mom, dad, I'm not skiing um, anymore." 
down and then like having a full-on like panic attack and being like oh my gosh what am I doing and like I worked with a sports psychologist thank goodness throughout this entire time um and I I saw her that day and I was just like did I make the right decision I don't know I don't know what I'm doing like yeah like who am I without skiing that was the that was the biggest thing is um skiing was so much of my identity that um when I decided that I wasn't going to carry on with it. What was my identity going to look like sort of thing. And and what does it look like now? Um, honestly, it's a little bit up in the air. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's, I'm growing and evolving um, as I continue to work through this, this process. I mean, it's still an ongoing process. I still have headaches. Um, so out of the hundred percent, less than fifty percent of the time. Uh, so out of the hundred percent, where yeah. are you today? Probably, say like eighty-five, 80 somewhere in there. Five. I mean, like, like I can function completely normally in society. Uh, I mean, like you say, you can't see concussions. I look totally fine. Um, I've worked my way back up. I, I can run and I can, um, play sports and things. Um, got to be a little bit careful. Um, but I'm still having those symptoms. And I think I've been thinking about a lot over the, the last week, couple of weeks. Um, and it's, it's still something I'm dealing with. Um, and it's still something that I need to be putting a lot of effort into. And I, um, Yeah, so from December 3rd, 2014 to now, it's been just over three years. You're at 85%. Yep. Um, and so tell me about, tell me about your, your new, your new goals, your new goals in life. We've had this discussion a couple of times and I know you're going to school now. You're in university, um, maybe switching um, your focus to something that yeah. you want to do a little bit more, but you're an incredible person and you have such an amazing story and you're so good at telling it and teaching kids and, and teaching people about what's happened to you and motivating and inspiring people to be their best self. That's like one of the main reasons why I want to talk to you because you're actually so inspirational and I don't know, like I'm looking at you right now on Skype. No one else can see you, but you have a smile on your face. You have this glow to you that is, it's just, it's so amazing. Like you're such a great individual. So maybe I should have started with that before I said, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, but, um, okay. So sorry, it was my goals, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so my goals right now, well, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on self-care. A big thing for me is listening to myself and listening to my body. Um, And my goals are I really want to do more work um, in the field of, I guess, advocacy work or like teaching people about um, concussions and brain injury and the effects it can have. And just like you say, like telling my story um, because everyone's story is different, um, with concussion, brain injury, anything, everyone has a different story to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
there's pieces and parts of everyone's story that, um, that, you know, you can take little bits, um, away from everyone's story. And so I think it's really powerful sharing, being able to share your story and sharing others. I know during my recovery, um, I've had a lot of, um, inspirational people, a lot of inspiration from people like, um, like Silken Lauman mm-hmm. and Clara Hughes, um, like Roz Grinwood, like all these different people who have overcome different things. Um, and just, it helps seeing other people, um, or hearing about their stories, um, and realizing that you're not the only one because, because you, you aren't the only one. It feels like it a lot of the time. It really does. Yeah. Um, but, but you're not alone. And there, and you just need to like tap in and find the right people to support you in your journey. Yeah. And you've literally done such an excellent job of that. It's like, it's hard. I mean, picture anyone who's listening. I mean, Heidi is 19 years old right now and she's come so far, um, from, from A to B. I mean, there's that spiritual connection you're, that you've developed with the yoga that you've developed with all of these things that you're doing and you're really in tuned with your, um, like your instincts. And I mean, you wear your heart on your sleeve and you know, you, you don't hesitate to, you know, throw your hands up in the air sometimes and be like, I can't do this anymore, but you really can do it. You really can do it. And you always do. You're able to just overcome every step. This is like, I mean, there's, there, there are, you are not alone, but you're also a leader in this, in my opinion. Thanks. So this has been an excellent chat. I mean, is there anything else that you want to say? Um, I think one of the big things that came to my mind when I was kind of prepping for this, I guess, um, was just like, I guess, getting the message out there that, um, I mean, although you can't see brain injuries, they're very real Mm -hmm. and it's so important to have that really good support system. I mean, I was, I look at myself, I look at other people who I've seen go through concussions um, and brain injuries. And I think I've been very lucky with the people that have been around me, um, especially having um, a coach like you, because I mean, I've seen a lot of athletes who they get injured and it's kind of like, Oh, you're injured. Not really like part of the team anymore. Yeah, tough luck. You know, they kind of get dropped (laughs) to the side. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never felt that at all. And I think that's part of the reason I came out, um, well, still, still working on it, but that I've, uh, got to where I am, um, uh, with the, I guess, attitude and, uh, kind of outlook that I do is because I had people like you who were encouraging and who weren't you weren't pushing me to to go back before I was ready yeah um you were just there supporting and just having someone to talk to is so so big just someone that's gonna actually listen um like Claire Hughes always says like it's so the biggest thing you can do for anyone is just listen and just not not talk just 
just sit there and listen because sometimes all people need is just to get it out and like <laughs> it might be really messy um but they just need to get it out and then it makes you feel better yeah um, and so yeah I think that's that's one of the biggest things that's so cool. Sure. I'm so happy that we've kept in touch. I mean, I love our little chats. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there, there's months that go by. I think the lot, like the longest, we just didn't talk for almost like six months or something. Remember? Like, yeah. Well, we talked like over like Instagram and stuff. Oh yeah, like, yeah, messaging, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we messaging. didn't like physically talk. Yeah, we didn't physically talk, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's so great to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, Heidi, I mean, I don't want to wrap this up because I, I feel like there's so much more to talk about. However, I I think your message is very clear and um, you're such an inspiration. And I'm just so grateful that you shared your story with us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, it's been awesome. <laughs> okay, well, I will definitely keep everybody up to date with um, your progress. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. Wow. I just love that Heidi. She is such an inspiration. And if you love this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or alisaunfiltered.com and leave a review. Your feedback is always welcome. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Happy Wednesday. Until next time.